I must admit, I didn't think much of this show the first time I laid eyes on it. Seemed like a bunch of stiffs wasting nice microphones. Trade of all time happened back in 1803. Go ahead. Napoleon Bonaparte traded the Louisiana Purchase for $3 million. Napoleon, what happened? <laughs> Half the country for $3 million. You can't even get Tucker Barnhart for $3 million. And I came to realize anymore. these guys are funny. And Justin Fields have identical stats the last five weeks about throwing the football. This guy, okay, and folks, is a some fidget of the best spare. gamblers I've come to know. If you're betting on USC, and or TCU, let it be known, you are a square. TCU is going to hammer this team tomorrow night. Now, I hate to hear that. Tomorrow when we afternoon. come back in here on Monday, you're going to be happy as a lark because USC lost, but you're going to be wrong about TCU. Get ready for the most useless hour of your day. It's time for Boxed Lunch, presented by Betfred Sportsbook. Now, Casey, run that track. We in the lab and we cooking up greatness. That's why all these other rappers hating us. No? I don't know about that one. Don't hear? I can't hear it's myself in my own headset, but I can I can freestyle a little bit. I like this, Casey. Just get it. You know, that's just me being grown up here in, in the hood, Hamilton. <laughs> you learn you learn you learn how to rap a thing or two. Tom, Tom wouldn't know anything about that. But this is Box Lunch presented by Betfred Sportsbook Green Mouse in the chair. We don't have Trace anymore. He uh, is on to bigger and better things. Chatterbox Reds, which follows every uh, Reds game. So they did a did an hour yesterday. Oh, no. It looks like that F-150 out there is getting a ticket. Trace, if you're, if you're oh, watching, no. go, take, go move that F-150 as we, no. as we speak. It is currently getting a ticket with the trailer out there. But we've got a long oh, no. show. Um, one thing I do want to say is... <laughs> Saw some people talking about uh, old Stephen T. Bain High School. I did go to Bain. I didn't go to St. Joseph. Someone said I went to St. Joseph. I'm a St. Peter's guy. Now, I go to St. Joe's Mass now, but I'm a St. Peter's guy. Guys, we got Paul, Ma Paul Frister, Casey McAllister. Almost Paul McCartney? Yeah, Paul McCartney. Paul McCartney in the, the house. The Beatles stink. You a Beatles guy, Paul? I mean, I enjoy, like, the big hits, but I'm not going to flip on a Beatles album and just listen to it on a road trip. A Has there ever... Has there ever been a band that has gone fully from like Justin Bieber kind of music when they first came out? Yeah. You know, I want to hold your hand, stuff like that. And then they just go into this most psychedelic at the end of their run, really get into the drugs. Yeah, and, now. So they've got the full spectrum of things. But the first things first, we're going to talk about T. Higgins. I don't know if you guys saw this, but our very own Zim Hude dropped out that T. Higgins extension? Casey. Yes, Reed. Are you buying that the extension is going to be is happening? Are you buying what Zim Hude is selling in that number five, formerly 85, is being extended? And we will hear about that very soon. Some were alluding to today. Some were alluding to this week. Do you think that Zim's sources are correct? Are, are you excited about this? I mean, I'm excited. I don't know when we're going to hear it, though. I think it's happened. So I, you are a believer. I am a believer. I just don't know. Like, it doesn't make sense for them to do it until Joe Burrows is done. Because otherwise, there would be, like, a not a public outrage, but there would be, like, this weird feeling of, like, why isn't Joe Burrow done? Right. Like he's our franchise quarterback. So I expect that to happen first. And because Joe has not got a deal done yet, uh, according to Zim's tweet, they're still working on that. I don't expect them to announce anything that T. Higgins has signed or anything like that yet. So you, you think they're burying it until until the number one guy in the organization gets signed. So so the next question I have was, do you find it puzzling, concerning, worrying that the Bengals shirt up a contract with wide receiver number two and T. Higgins and not QB one or, or QB or wide receiver one? My take on it is that they everybody knows they're going to get the Burrow contract done, so it doesn't really matter. Correct. That's, that's, that's how I look at this. Like, whether they get this Higgins thing done and they announce it before Burrow, whether they announce it after him, whatever. I do understand what you're saying, Casey, from the optics of it. So I'm not taking away from that. I'm just saying 
the way I look at it is nobody doubts that Joe's going to get signed. They, they did the stadium deal, the naming rights for him. They did all of these things to line up this franchise so that they could sign Joe Burrow to a long-term deal. There's nothing getting in the way of them getting this done besides semantics. It'll get done. It'll get announced. It'll happen. So if right. this T. Higgins thing gets done at whatever timeline, if this broke a little early, ah, so be it. Yeah, and I also think, too, like it's probably Joe Burrow saying, go take care of T. Higgins first and then come back to me. You know, if we're going to make him out as this – you know, guy that's a team-friendly sort of sure. deal. You it, know, you could think of it like that positively. It so. is it is funny as a Bengals fan and, and being around Bengals fans, the mental gymnastics that we that we bring about, like Joe Burrow is basically God at this point in this city. And anytime that any news breaks, we go and assume that Joe Burrow is doing the greatest thing that he could possibly do. Like, Joe Burrow going up to the team like, no, I want to see T. Higgins get paid first before I get paid. You, you sure up that, and then then you'll pay me. Or the everyone talking about like, uh, Joe Burrow is probably going to take a pay cut just so he can he can win, just like Tom Brady did and all this stuff, which might happen. But it is just funny that we are allowing ourselves to go like, Joe, Joe's Joe's always going to do the right thing. Joe is he bats a hundred on this, and and he has to this point hasn't done anything wrong yet. So maybe we are okay to to assume that. Now, there was talk when we got to the end of the season and we're like, all right, what's next for the offseason? Well, let's extend our guys. Let's extend the guys that we want to keep around here for a while. There was a lot of talk saying, all right, we, of course, got to extend Joe Burrow, number nine. And, of course, we've got to extend Jamar Chase because he's just an exceptional talent. But then there were some people trickling through and saying, maybe we don't extend T. Higgins. Maybe we go out and get somebody else. Do you think... Were you one of those guys, either one of you, saying, I don't know if we should extend T. Higgins. Maybe we should use our money elsewhere. Maybe we should use our capital towards shoring up other parts of the roster. Were either one of you guys in the don't sign, don't extend T. Higgins? Because personally, I was always saying, extend T, extend, extend Jamar, extend Joe Burrow. We'll figure out the rest of the roster after that. I was in the camp of signing T, Jamar, and Joe. Um, I do, however, think that they have an incredible challenge ahead of them if they go ahead and do that. Um, We're going to have to, as Bengals fans, get ready for the the possibility of the, the way, the dynamics of how this team works, right? Like right now, we've got this great, uh, well, maybe great's too too nice to, to call the defense, but it is playing above expectations. Lou Anarumo has been a wizard as of late, and it just seems like even without like a dominant guy on defense, DJ Reader is probably the closest guy that's considered dominant. But we don't have like a TJ Watt, Micah Parsons. We don't have that guy. We don't have guys that that usher fear into opposing offensive coordinators. Right. We don't have like, like that dynamic has been, it's going to change if you go ahead and sign Chase T Joe, because then you're like completely not axing the possibility of Mm -hmm. getting a guy like that, but you're, you're stuck in this. Like, this is the, the fullest potential of defense that we can possibly have if you go ahead and do that, which is the fine. I mean, we can win, we can win Super Bowls like that. We've done it before. We've gotten close to winning before. I'm just saying like the possibilities, once you sign those guys to make it deals like that, which we're assuming they're going to be top end money. Right. Um, it's going to be tough to fill in the holes, at least on defense. They've already spent a lot of money on the offensive line. Um, just about everyone except for uh, the that left guard spot is on a veteran contract. Um, a lot of the the defense, I mean, it, it's it's got to be full filled with rookies and guys that we hit on the draft. So that's the 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 dynamic that I'm more worried about than anything. It's just you gotta we gotta really see like some progression with this offense. I know it did well last year, but take another step forward. If we're going to sign these mega deals, like they better go out and prove that they're T and Chase and Joe 
are top three, top two, top the top, you know, and consistently stay there every single year. Well, I think that Jamar Chase is certainly one of the three to five greatest wide receivers currently in the National Football League. I think Joe Burrow is one of the three greatest quarterbacks. T. Higgins is I don't I don't know how many wide receivers there are, but his play in the AFC Championship game is amongst his play over the past few years is certainly elite, and he's an elite player, so I, I'm happy that he is signed. I will say this, dollar in the jar. News started rumoring through about what Joe Burrow was going to sign for. Now, I think we're out at a Miami game. You and I were, Casey, when we saw the, the first time. It was a four-year deal for around $200 million was what I saw. And these are rumors. I mean, they, they hold no weight whatsoever. But... I was shocked that it was only a four-year deal. And I'd be interested to see what Casey and Paul think of just your knee-jerk reaction is to a four-year deal. Because personally, when I hear we're going to extend Joe Burrow, it's for the long term, right? It ain't, it ain't moving in with your girlfriend. It, it's putting a ring on her. It's saying, hey, we're in this together for the next decades, a la what the Chiefs did with Patrick Mahomes, a la what other teams have done with their, you know, elite quarterback. And that's what I thought. So four years was almost a little troubling because it's like, whoa, 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 whoa. I thought we're doing this thing full go. I thought we're, we're fully committed to Joe Burrow. I thought we want a decade. So my knee-jerk reaction was that, Four years wasn't long enough. I didn't like four years. Casey, we saw that at the exact same time, scrolling through Twitter up in Oxford, Ohio, yeah. home of the high nooners. What did you think when you saw four years, $200 million for Joe Burrow? I was, I was not happy with it. Um, I, we're in the same boat and in terms of that. I mean, four years seems really short even if you're including that fifth year option so it's like a five-year deal that still seems really short to me where like, did you guys I'm, see this just pff posted a projection of joe burrow's contract extension Got being it. a four-year 215 million dollar yeah deal. where he's getting like 52 a year something yeah. like that 54 and, uh, which make him the highest played player yeah i mean it that would succeed in doing that it's just I just from hearing all the staff talk about Joe Burrow, the ownership, it just doesn't make sense for them to sign just a four-year deal. Like, and let's be clear here: Patrick Mahomes took a team-friendly deal with a ten-year, five hundred million dollar contract. That was a team-friendly deal in many different ways. So it would t more than likely if Joe were to sign something long-term like that. It would be a team-friendly deal. So if he doesn't sign something that's 10 years or 8 years, you're looking at something that's not very team-friendly, more than likely, for the four years, $215 million contract. And if that's the case, it just means that window is definitely closed. We're past that chapter, and now it's, you know, we're moving on from the, those rookie deals to having to, uh, you know, hit some hit some draft picks and you you can't really use the free agency as much as you were before so i don't know it's i was not happy with it you know, i was not happy with it that's that's the exact reason you nailed it on the head when you said that team friendly deals are the longer ones because you can push off the great deal of the contract and that, that's what happened with patrick mahomes right right you you inload the contract to where you know when he's not at his peak when he might not be the best quarterback in the league anymore. Still might be productive, but that's when you pay him the most money because you want to have as much money free when he's at his best so that you can supplement his team. You're still committing to him long-term. You're still paying him for the next decade, but you're allowing him, you're allowing your team the opportunity to fill the roster with the free money that you have. And a four-year deal doesn't do that. That's actually the complete opposite. You're paying him the most money up front, and you're saying, all right, well, let's win these next four years, and then we'll, we'll redo it again in four years. When the going rate for a quarterback contract might be even higher, probably will be higher. And if Joe Burrow's still an elite quarterback in four years, you're going to pay even more. 
you're gonna have to double down this time on a long-term contract and maybe it's six years to where you're you're finally getting that 10-year window but you're paying more so that's why the four-year contract doesn't make any sense and you know if the, if that's what the deal is done not happy about it but where else am i gonna go right all right let's go into the running back rhetoric and this is where I've, I've got a pony up because I have failed our viewers. I have failed this office because I've let some people come on this show, one being the guy that runs this company, and, and tell you that maybe the Bengals should take a running back with the first pick. And I know, I know it's tired, guys. I know we've talked about this. At nausea, me and Casey have been screaming, and if it, it feels like they're they're tearing me down, all these people saying we got to we got to take a running back, we need a running back. Tom even alluding to the fact that the Bengals really need a back, maybe not in the first round, but they need they really need to overemphasize the running back position. And, and it feels like they're circling the city. They've cut off the supply lines. For me and Casey's camp, me and Everett Henry's camp, saying that we cannot take a guy in the first round. But we're still firing off the artillery. We're holding, not because we're passionate about this. No. It's because we know we're right. I mean, what do I have to say? Do, do I have to show that tired chart of the running backs that have been... On the Super Bowl winning teams, you've seen that a million times. And yeah, you could probably poke a few holes at it. But think in your mind, who was the last team to win a Super Bowl with an elite running back? The Seahawks with Marshawn Lynch? Okay, sure, that's a great that's a great one. But that's one time in the past decade. What about the past 20 years? Think. Tell me. Put it in the chat. Because I can't think of any. So... What about first-round draft choices? And, and people are right. Bengals draft so late, it's basically like getting an early second-round guy. And, and, and that's true. But I will hold that, you know, this is our one first-round pick. We don't get a pick for 32 teams. So I don't want to waste it on a guy that I'm fairly certain, on a position that I'm fairly certain we can sure up in other ways. And let's look at some of the running backs that have been taken in the first round in previous years. Because that's a good parameter just to show you about all these guys that, you know, have been linked to the Bengals and maybe they'll take a guy at the end of the first round. You go to 2021, there was no first round draft choice taken last year. First round pick with a running back last year. But two years ago, Najee Harris, Travis Etienne were drafted. They're good backs, no doubt. But did they drastically improve their team? No. What about in 2020? Uh, Clyde Edwards Hilaire. He was drafted by the Chiefs. Who just won a Super Bowl, but... I don't even what, think he's on the roster anymore. Yeah, what did they think of him? They signed Le'Veon Bell mid-season last year, or two years ago. Then they got Isaiah Pacheco in the seventh round this year, and he was their starting back, and, and I'm not going to crutch on Isaiah Pacheco because he might be a unicorn. He might be the one in a million where you draft some guy so late and he just turns out to be a star. Now, I don't necessarily think that's fully displaying the case, but I'm not going to rely on Pacheco. Go to the year before that. Josh Jacobs, really good back. But the Raiders are tearing down their team. They're trying a new route. But whoa, 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 Reed. John Robinson's the sure thing. He's great. You can't miss. Bijan, is that how you pronounce it? Yep. You can't miss. But haven't we heard this song before? Maybe? You can't miss on, on a guy like this? Let's think once again back in our mind. The running backs that we've heard, you can't miss on. Saquon Barkley, great back. Didn't miss. Used an early first round pick and he's the best back in the league. Before him. Ezekiel Elliott, great back on his rookie deal. Prime, one of the best running backs in the league, if not the best back in the league. So, they didn't miss. Well, what about the other names that we heard? Leonard Fournette, remember him? 
That sure felt like a swing and miss. He sure he was an okay back, but did he transcend his original franchise? No. Let's go back a decade. Trent Richardson. Sure thing. I mean, we're talking Adrian Peterson. We're talking LaDainian Tomlinson. Well, Trent Richardson wasn't very good, was he? So those are the last four backs that were sure things. And they hit about 50% of them. So I guess what I'm saying is that even the running backs, there's not a sure thing. And even if he is, I don't care. Because I am in the camp that you can plug and play with somebody else. Now let's look at the teams that have won the Super Bowl recently. Last year, the Chiefs. And I know I said I wasn't going to bring up Isaiah Pacheco, but they did draft Isaiah Pacheco. Seventh round. They won. What about the year before that? The Los Angeles Rams. Who was their starting back throughout the year? Sony Michelle. How'd they get Sony Michelle? Well, they paid him a million dollars and traded a sixth round pick. Okay, what about the year before that? 2020. The Bucks. Tampa Bay. Leonard Fournette on a veteran deal. A couple million dollars. Okay. What about the year before that? The Chiefs. Who are their running backs in Patrick Mahomes' first Super Bowl? LaShawn McCoy in his 30s. Damian Williams. Both on their second contract. A couple years before that, the Eagles... LeGarrette Blunt. Now, I will say the Patriots did win in that time with a first-round draft choice. Sony Michelle. But we can keep retracting the Super Bowl winners and how they got their running backs. Not when they got their running backs. How they got them. And it's the same. Mid-round pick. Late-round pick. Or you get a veteran. And you pay him on the cheap. Because, as I've said time and time before, the line makes the backs not the backs make the line you've seen multiple guys go into dallas when they had their great offensive line and look up great demarco demurray demarco murray whatever his name is gosh it's been so long ago and that's how we do it casey yes reed as our residential nfl national football league expert as you are you know you know i gotta give casey credit we call on Casey so many times to tell us, you know, just auxiliary things like contracts and all this stuff. And Casey's got it sharp as can be. Casey also has great takes, except for his stink list. It stinks. Point of it. But. <laughs> Casey, would you rather have Travion Williams and Chris Evans or draft a running back in the first round? Uh, that's easy. I'd rather take Chris Evans and Javion Williams. Just that simple. It's that simple. It's that simple. I mean, I, we as Bengals fans need to just get it in our head that we do not have the formula figured out. There's other teams that have got it figured out that have made it to the Super Bowl time and time again that have won Super Bowls. I'm going to throw in the Eagles in this conversation, too, because they've been, at least in the last five years, six, seven years, to two Super Bowls. Chiefs have been to two. Three, I'm sorry. Two or three? Three. Chiefs, yeah, they've three. been to three. They lost to Tampa Bay. And, and the 49ers, like all those teams have great offensive lines, and they just seem to always be in the, in the mix just about every single year, championship games. Super Bowls. It doesn't matter. You even go look further back. The Saints with Alvin Kamara. He looked he looked great. Saints had a great offensive line though. And now that they lost some of their pieces, where's Alvin Kamara now? I don't know. Not doing as well. Right. Let's look at the Rams. With Todd Gurley. What happened with Todd Gurley? Right? He had this amazing season, gets hurt a little bit. Never the same, but that didn't stop them from going back to a Super Bowl again. They had a great offensive line. 
get it through our heads. You got to fix this offensive line. You got to you got to hit these draft picks correctly. Doing the dumb thing is getting a guy in the first round as a running back who one you're you're the one for sure fire thing, Bijan Robinson probably won't even make it to the Bengals. So that's just let's just get that out of right. the way, right? Right. You're looking at Jameer Gibbs, small running back, right? Fast, but guess what he had at Alabama? Every single one of those linemen are going to be NFL starters, probably drafted in the third through first round. Excellent offensive linemen. I don't know. I don't know what more has to be said other than just offensive line is key to running back success. You can plug in anyone and they can get a thousand yards. Just look at Miles Sanders. I don't think he's some great back like Tom. Tom on the show today said that Miles Sanders is this really great running back. I don't think so. He was kind of average for a while, and this is this is breakout season because Jalen Hurts produces this really crazy dynamic that you have to now worry about a running quarterback. Look at Lamar and his team. J.K. Dobinson. I mean, I I don't know, man. I just I think you can plug and play just about any running back, and they can have success enough to make it to where, you know, all you need your lineman to do is get you three and a half yards every play, right. four yards, and then that's a first down. So to me, fix the offensive line, go draft a running back in the later rounds. It, it comes down to this. And four out of the last six Super Bowls, because that's all I went back. I went back the last six Super Bowls and I stopped because I felt like my point was made. Four out of the last six Super Bowls, the Super Bowl winners got a veteran running back on a cheap deal. Chiefs did it on their first Super Bowl. The Rams did it. The Bucks did it. And the Eagles, when they beat Tom Brady, they did it. Now, the other one, one out of the six, Drafted a running back in the seventh round. One of the six drafted a running back in the first round. But four out of the six have gotten a veteran back on a cheap deal. So a guy like Ezekiel Elliott, who's been rumored, who's been showing up in different Bengals players' Instagram stories, I'm cool with that as long as the deal's right. As long as it's cheap. Not giving him $8 million, $10 million. And that's the thing that I want to put it through. I'm not completely saying that running backs are should be banned from football, as I sometimes joke about. Because that's not the case. I just am, like Paul, looking at the lines. Shows up to the sports book. He, he looks at the lines. He's looking. I'm looking for value, right? And plain and simple, getting a guy in the first round, paying him $7 million or whatever the slot pick that we're going to have to pay this running back if we draft a running back in the first round, $7 million throughout his rookie contract. When I truly believe we can get these veterans on a year at a time for a million dollars, two million dollars, three million dollars, whatever, is more beneficial. And then using that first round draft draft pick to, you know, get the best guy available, get some depth in the line, get an edge, a pass rusher, a tight end, something, something. I'd rather get another wide receiver, hell, before a running back. I'm cool with that. Because we're going to lose Tyler Boyd in the future. I just cannot wrap my mind around the rhetoric that is take a guy in the first round when it has been proven time and time again that that doesn't lead to sustained success. And that's that. The tired conversation is now over, and we'll talk to another tired, talk about another tired person. That's Odell Beckham Jr. Guys. What are the Ravens doing? $15 million guaranteed to Odell Beckham? Is this a ploy to incentivize Lamar Jackson to come back? Is this preparing for a rookie quarterback to get a veteran wide receiver? I made the joke as a Cubs fan that Jason Hayward's made millions of dollars off a speaking fee. 
Has anyone made more money off of one play than Odell Beckham Jr.? Odell Beckham Jr. is a great player. Yes. Didn't mean that. But it's that one play, right? Caught it one-handed. Who do you got? Clowney. Ah. All right. Fair enough. So, what is the move here? I can't figure it out. Were, were the Bengals so bad for so long, and I just figured that the Ravens and the Steelers were just infinitely smarter than us as a franchise? When now we're seeing the Ravens not sign their franchise quarterback to a deal and taking a wide receiver that's bounced around and carries a whole lot of drama for $15 million and sign, extend a linebacker for $100 million? I just can't see it. I don't understand what this move is. Casey, on the... And I I keep pulling to Casey. He's my crutch today. Can you shed some light on what the Ravens are doing with this play? Well, I, I talked about this a little bit on the show. I think what the plan is, it's not all gonna be give it given to them year one. I know that's what it says, guaranteed 15 million, but what they'll probably end up doing is adding a bunch of void years and um, pushing some of that money out. But it's just crazy to me that this is a one-year deal, right? I mean, either either way, however you want to slice it up, it's going to be crazy because if you give him the max void years, right, which is four on his one-year contract, so mm-hmm. he'd be paid for five years, only be playing on the team for one. The four years that you would have him on the books is $3 million a year, you know, like think about it. It's right. He's getting 3 million. That'll be against the cap for, for another four years. And he won't even be on the roster unless they go ahead and sign him and extend him later on to kind of recoup some of that value. But as it stands right now, it is a crazy signing crazy. And, if it was all guaranteed in one year, like if that's what ends up happening, I don't even know how they can sign Lamar. Like the, it has to have void years to even make sense to even bring back Lamar. So it's very interesting. Um, I don't know what this really does for the Ravens other than because I one, Le, Odell Beckham tore his knee again, the same one. So this is the second ACL tear on the same knee some point, the guy is not going to be nearly the same. But, I mean, I guess they feel comfortable enough to give him that chance. But the thing is, too, I mean, Alan Lazard was the only other receiver signed in free agency to a, a significant deal. And it was $11 million a year. 11 for Alan Lazard. I would have rather done that than Odell Beckham, who you don't even know if you're going to – have him play like he, he might not play very well and he could get hurt again like he's got an injury history i don't know man it's, it's crazy i think the ravens are panicking they're panicking and this is their one way to kind of try to curb fan disgruntledness uh, know, how man. can like, how can the fans even be excited about this we're talking about a guy as you mentioned two acl tears he's 30 years old He's on his fourth team in four years. Didn't play last year. And since he left the New York Giants, which was in 2018, he has received less than 2,000 passing yards. And let me add this up real quick. Has under 15 touchdowns. He's got 12 since 2018. And you give him $15 million when you don't know who's going to be your starting quarterback? I mean, it's starting money, too. Right? Like, are they planning on having him be the starter? And what about Rashad Bateman? It's 15 million guaranteed. 18 year, 18 million potentially. Yeah. I just, it's a very, very strange contract. I I don't know what they're doing. It's just, I don't know. Like I said, I don't know what the, the, the goal is here other than to screw the Jets, which I know is not on here, but that, uh, that is kind of funny that, um, they were trying to sign Odell Beckham to get Aaron Rodgers here. Or to, not here, but to the Jets. Yeah, when's, um, when's that going to end? I don't know, man. That's, that 
That whole nightmare. supposed to end like two weeks ago. That whole nightmare is a nightmare. It is a nightmare. It is. Uh, you want you want to talk about the art of the deal? There, there's just no way that 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 you just hold no leverage. I mean, the player who wants to come play for you has outwardly said it, and he's still owned by another, not owned, but playing for another team. That that whole deal is just bonkers, and it's going to be incredibly interesting to see how that that turns out. But this Odell Beckham thing, I just don't see how it works. I don't see the angle there. I don't. I don't see anything about it. In fact, when we get off air today, I'm going to tap into a Baltimore Ravens Twitter space. I'm going to see if I can get some Baltimore Ravens talk radio because there's just no way. You mentioned this could at least get the fans excited. How are the fans going to get excited for this? If, if, if 15 million and the Bengals had no wide receivers and we got Odell Beckham Jr. for 15 million, I ain't excited. Man, I, I don't care. Ludicrous. Speaking of ludicrous, I'm going to say something nice about the Reds. And if you have checked outside, it is very warm. Maybe the, the weather has, has flipped a little bit because hell is freezing over. I'm going to say some nice words about your beloved Cincinnati Reds, and that is just the fact that Nick Lodolo is him. Only two starts this year, but he has been lights out. And he was great last year as well. And you want to talk about the Cincinnati Reds, quote-unquote, big three right? The, the Hunter Green, Graham Ashcraft, and the Nick Lodolo. It is common favor that Nick Lodolo is the pitcher that everyone's like, I think he's going to be the guy. I think if there's any of those three, he's going to be it. And that's because I think a piece is that Hunter Green has so much hype around him. You know, he's got such exceptional stuff, as they say, 100 plus miles an hour. And, you know, it translates. You see it with your eyes, and you're like, wow, that is wowing. That's Hunter Green to where his expectations are higher, and he's got to live up to those expectations. Nick Lodolo's great. Nick Lodolo is a potential ace, but he doesn't have the same expectations as Hunter Green, so people are like, I think Nick Lodolo is going to be it. So I was in the camp just saying, ah, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to zag when everyone else zigs. I think Hunter Green is still the guy out of these three, but through two starts – I don't know if I was just trying to give the benefit of the doubt to Hunter Green or what, but Nick Lodolo is great. Through two starts, 21 strikeouts, 12 innings, two earned runs given up. He's allowed just 14 base runners in 12 innings. That's a whip right around one, which is elite. Nick Lodolo is an all-star. I don't know if he'll be I, – I, I don't – you can't predict Cy Young's, right? So I don't want to do that. I, I, you can't do that. But Nick Lodolo is an all-star that the only thing that can get in his way is an injury bug, which luckily hasn't happened yet. But the reason that he is so good, his velocity isn't elite. It's good. Low to mid-90s. His curveball is on the trajectory to be not only an elite pitch, but one of the best in Major League Baseball. This season, it's getting a whiff rate of 43%. And I'm going to bore you with some stats here. But it gets a whiff rate of not 40, 43%, 46%, which I know that's only through two starts. But that was the exact same whiff rate that he had last year. You can go on Baseball Savant and check all this out. So it's just continuing to be an elite pitch. And why it's elite is because he tunnels it so well. So go ahead. This is from Pitching Ninja. Casey, go ahead and show this clip. So the first pitch is a fastball right there, 94. And then they get this curveball, Nick Castellanos, that comes into him. And there they overlay it. So you see where the fastball and the curveball come out of the same way. So not to bore you too much on baseball, the reason why lefties hit better or right-handed hitters hit better against lefties, and left-handed hitters hit better against righties, is because the breaking pitch works into them. And you can take that off the screen now. I think they've seen it enough. Nick Lodolo's curveball works better against a righty. When you're hitting, they talk about seeing spin. That's how you recognize a pitch. And, you know, you can look up all those stats on how much time, you know, the brain has to not only see a pitch, but to determine whether or not to swing at it. It is almost impossible when guys are throwing as hard as they are in Major League Baseball 
to recognize the spin that quickly. So actually how they hit the ball and determine what the pitches is, is the shape of the ball. If you've played baseball before, I think you know what I'm talking about. A curveball has a little bounce to it, right? When it comes out of the hand, it goes up as a fastball comes at you. Nick Lodolo's stuff, his fastball to curveball, look the exact same coming out of his hand. He's getting more swings and misses from right-handed hitters on his curveball. More. He's throwing curveballs that are hitting the batter because it looks like a strike for so long. It looks like a fastball that's going to end up right over the middle of the plate and then whoop, falls off the face of the earth. It's exceptional. Do we have that other the other video? Yeah, go ahead and play this. Look at this. This was from the game the other day. Hits the former Cincinnati Bearcat Josh Harrison. Hits him. Looks like a fat looks like a strike the whole way. He offers at it and it hits him. That's not the first time. He did it two times last year. Nick Lodolo has the op opportunity and take that off. To be the best pitcher that the Cincinnati Reds have had in two decades. Johnny Cueto currently up there. Aaron Harang was great. You can you can name a couple guys. But I I think that I'm ready to to stake my flag in that Nick Lodolo is an all-star. He's the best pitcher on the, the Red staff, and he's going to be the best pitcher on the Reds. If they actually want to compete in a couple of years, he's going to be the workhorse that does it. Yeah, as long as they don't trade him away. <laughs> Get some pieces for him at the deadline. you got to build around somebody. I'd like to think that would be him, as long as he doesn't ever need Tommy John surgery. I just want to see the Reds pitching staff be, like, really good. Or they just got three I, I, good ones right now. They need the back end. Yeah, like I just want to see the I want to see the closers. Like just we need one closer. We can just get one closer. You got a good closer. Or, yeah. Alexis Diaz is pretty good. I think they're all pretty inconsistent, but I don't He's, know. Yeah, we I think the when it's time for the Reds to compete, which whatever that is, if Graham Ashcraft, Nicola Dolo, and Hunter Green continue to progress and be better. You go and get yourself a veteran, a three, two-year, three-year deal, some guy in his mid-30s that can throw 175 innings and will have him right around a four ERA to tail in the back of that rotation. But here's what I want to talk about. So Nick Lodolo is currently under, as is Hunter Green, I believe Graham Ashcraft as well. They're under Reds' control for five more years. This is how major league contracts work. You get three years on the rookie deal, and then you go to arbitration for three years, which is just agreeing on a, a salary. You know what arbitration is, agreeing on a salary on both ends. That, that makes sense. And then after that, you can test free agency. The Reds are getting ready to play the Braves. And the Braves, along with a couple other teams, but the Braves have done it the best, maybe because they've had the best prospects. The Braves have laid out this blueprint for what to do with their young talent. And that is, you get these young guys while they're still on their rookie deals. And you make a trade, basically, for them. And that's saying, we will give you more money up front if you cut us a break on the back end of it. So you sign these guys where if you have five years of control left with Nick Lodolo, you sign him to a seven-year $100 million contract, something along those lines. And it's a gamble. You're saying, I want to have you be our ace for the next seven years. Same with Hunter Green. I want you to be a part of this team for the next seven years, and we will give you more money here on your rookie deals. We'll give you $15 million a year this year, next year, when your rookie years are done, rookie deals are done. And then when you go to arbitration, maybe they are Cy Young caliber to where – the arbitration comes out and is garnering $30 million a year or $26 million or, or something to where you are actually getting value out of these guys because you got them on the long-term deal. And then on top of that, when they leave team control, you've got them for two more seasons to where they're now at 32, 33, and then they can go get a free agent or go become a free agent and sign with somebody else. The Braves have done this with the following players. They signed Ronald Acuna to an eight-year, $100 million deal. Ronald Acuna, who almost had a 40-40 season two seasons ago. Of course, he got hurt. 
but I think we can all agree that Ronald Acuna Jr. is worth over $100 million. Ozzie Albies, all-star second baseman. They signed him to a seven-year, $35 million contract. Now, it's worth mentioning that the Braves were the first to get to this punch. They were the first ones to do this. Other teams are doing this now, so the market has gone up. So those contracts, you ain't getting that anymore. You see this with Austin Riley, their all-star third baseman. He signed a 10-year, $212 million contract when he's under player control for a few more years, but they just went ahead, extended him. Michael Harris Jr., Spencer Strider, both were Rookie of the Year candidates. I think Michael Harris ended up winning it. They both signed through their 30-year deal, 30-year, 30-age season. That's what the Reds need to do with the following two players, Hunter Green and Nick Lodolo. I'm not sold on that Tyler Stevenson can stay on the field yet. So that's where I wouldn't want to do these deals with Tyler Stevenson. Because if he gets hurt, then you're not getting value out of this contract. And that's what this whole thing's about. It's getting value, as Paul does when he looks at the sports book sheet. I don't know if I want to do it with Jonathan India. He's looked great at the plate, but like Tom said on the show, like Trace has said on Chatterbox Reds, the glove, it worries you. Where is he going to play? Because second base doesn't look like the position for Jonathan India. And by his frame, it limits where he can play. Maybe out in the outfield. Go back to third base where he came up. But Nick Lodolo, Hunter Green, signed them to seven, eight-year deals, $100 million, whatever it needs to be, to where you're basically signing them for $15 million a year for the next eight years. And you're saying, listen, we believe in you. We want you to be Cincinnati Reds. You stay here. You pitch for the next eight years while we try to build a championship team. We think we've got a lot of prospects coming up. And maybe Ellie Daly Cruz comes up, and you go ahead and sign him. If you're, if you're sold on him, we've seen a couple teams do this. Now, the Phillies famously did this with Scott Kingery, who didn't work out. But you can do this. Wander Franco. Just something that the Reds, as a small market team, they're not going to be able to afford if these guys turn out to be, you know, Cy Young caliber, MVP caliber, perennial all-stars to where the arbitration rate is in the 20 millions, the 30 millions. Go ahead, give them more money up front, gamble a little bit, and believe in your young aces in Nick Lodolo and Hunter Green. All right, we're going to close out this show with some bets. We haven't done box lunch, I think, but maybe one time. Since the baseball season has started, I'm new to baseball betting. Me and Paul, we like to throw Nerfie around. Oh, yeah. This show is presented by Betfred Sportsbook. So, got a couple got a couple bets for you. First one I like is I like the White Sox money line. They've got Dylan Cece on the mound, so I like them. They're on the road. And then secondly, I like a, a little bit of a parlay. I think it equals out to about plus 208. That is the Astros money line as believe when i did this they're playing how about the rays minus one and a half you like the you like the run line on the rays they've won every game by uh by four plus runs this year rays minus one and a half mariners minus i guess this would be mariners money line uh mariners uh first first five innings sorry i misread that you like luis castillo to go to start well and uh, Marlins, first five against the Phillies. He pays out like plus 650-ish. So I got a question really quickly. I know we're all somewhat new to baseball betting. I'm looking at this Philadelphia Phillies line right here. Yeah. Oh, never mind. I'm just dyslexic. Sorry. Never mind. <laughs> I thought I was reading it, and the money line was at plus 110. And I thought the spread was at plus 150 for plus, like, getting oh, yeah. runs. I was like, well, that doesn't make sense. That's doesn't a add mistake. up. That don't add up. But no, yeah. I'm just dyslexic here. So the idea between for first five inning bets is you're basically betting on the starters, right? That's betting the, on the starters, basically, yeah. Yeah, essentially. So I like Dylan Cece. They play the Twins. They're on the road tonight. He's got to, He's going to be facing off against Kinte. Maeda, I still like Cece. I think he is a Cy Young He's certainly a Cy Young candidate, as he was last year. God, former Cubby. Bad trade. Bad trade, that one was. Um, and then you got Framber Valdez on the mound for the Astros. They're playing the Pirates. 
Parlay that with the over and the Cubs-Mariners game. Drew Smiley's on the mound. Uh, I believe it is Luis Castillo, but I still think that they can get over nine runs. That's plus 208. The Wheel of Taco Bell. How was your Lenten promise of no Baja Blasts, Paul? Uh, I, was on, I was only tempted once. It did pay off. I feel like I feel like I'm a better person. It was tough. Anybody that knows me knows how much I go to Taco Bell just for the Baja Blast. It was tough, but we're here. We survived. Well, let's go ahead and, and roll this Taco Bell wheel to honor you giving your Linton promise and see what you were given. You're given a trip to go to Augusta National. I know. Yeah. For your sacrifice. For my Baja Blast. For my your sacrifice. sacrifice. Now, Paul, you I'm and I. Go. I'll, I'll tell you one thing though. Speaking Dollar of Lent. So Friday was Good Friday. I didn't have any meat on Friday. So I subsisted on about six bags of barbecue chips and about six lemonades walking around 20, I think it was like 22,000 steps we took on Friday. Like I'm not complaining. Right. I'm not gonna sit here and complain because I was there, but I am gonna say that if I was to ever be blessed enough to get back there and to do that, I would very much look forward to being able to, uh, hey, look at that, Taco Bell. Let's go, baby. <laughs> Bell bomb. I, uh, I'd very much look forward to one of those chicken salad sandwiches or a uh, <laughs> one of those pulled pork sandwiches because, boy, they look good about 1 o'clock. It's all right. We're here. We're better for it. Hey, we're happy. We're better we're for happy. it. Now, Let's get ourselves a Baja Blast. Paul, I've got to tell a quick story on a – and this is how I'll conclude the show. So on Saturday, uh, I was calling a Miami softball game. They're playing Buffalo. And Miami softball is pretty good. They play the number one team in the country this weekend. So that'll be exciting to call. But the pitcher for Miami that was in the circle was throwing a perfect game. They play seven innings. <laughs> she was throwing a perfect game in the sixth inning. Okay. She was five outs away. And as I've said time and time on this show, I said on air, well, jinxes don't exist, so I'll, I'll bring up the fact that Brianna Pratt has not allowed a base runner. Don't, exact, don't remember exactly what I said. Has not allowed a base runner this entire game. Working on something special. Need five outs. The entire press box looked at me and, like, gave me wide eyes. They looked down at me. Casey's, like, giggling. <laughs> Brianna Pratt, two pitches later, gives up a double. Walks the next base runner. Walks the next batter. So two pitches after I said jinxes don't exist. She loses the perfect game. Faces one more batter. Allows a base runner on. Only two base runners she allowed the entire game. So if there was ever a time when jinxes don't exist was was tested. Yeah. It's yeah. all right. D that's not your fault. As, as somebody that has broadcasted hundreds if not thousands of baseball games, I will never – I never will shy away from – oh, he's throwing bring, a no-hitter. Yeah, bringing it up. Like – we're in the third inning. Hey, he's through three no-hit innings. I'm sorry. I, me sitting there in the press box does not affect what they're doing on the field. It is my job to tell you what you're watching, you especially what it, when it's on the radio. You know what it is? Are we being too practical with the jinxes don't exist thing? Like, are we being too practical to say, just point out, like, I am 200 feet away from the field. I am talking into a microphone. That's all I'm doing. It has no bearing over what happens next. There have been games that I have done, and, and this is one thing I will say. There have been games way, way back when, when you're sitting on the bleachers in like a summer league game when I was like a freshman in college and you're just starting out and you're sitting on a bleacher and like you're not sure if maybe the players can hear you because right. there's nobody in the stands besides right. a few parents. And if you talk loud enough, maybe the players would hear. I would be a little more careful then because maybe they don't even know it because I would run into guys sometimes where they say we get into the seventh inning and I would ask them after the game about it, and they'd say, oh, I didn't even, I didn't even know. I right. wasn't even looking. Right. So sometimes – because then you're, like, adding the extra pressure. So, But if you're in a closed press box and you're 100 feet away and the pitcher can't hear you, brother, I feel no shame in that. That's not your Thank fault. You. Because, because here's the thing, and this is what I've always said. When people want to talk about jinxes in sports, it's just like stocks. It's like when you when – you, Buy a stock at its highest, right? Buy high, sell low. That's what they always that's, say about the stock yeah, market. Yeah, that's what you do. That's how you win money. Make money. Exactly. When you, when you are talking about jinxes in sports, when somebody is talking about a football game and maybe the, you know, the, the Bengals are winning 21 nothing. perfect example was the Patriots game this year. Bengals are, are 
killing the Patriots. And everybody's going on and on about how the Bengals are winning. The win streak's going to continue. Yeah. Christmas Eve, the good vibes are going. And then all of a sudden the Patriots start to come back. They start to come. All it is is because you're just essentially in sports terms, you're just buying high. And then the other team starts to come back. It's not – it's just – It's people, perception. People it's perception. react. People react and they, they react. You re, as naturally – Unless you're, like, super smart. We try to think that we are, but we're human. And sometimes we react late. And by the time you realize that something good is happening, you might tweet it out. Like, for example, somebody hits five threes in a row, and you'll say, oh, my goodness, he's hit his fifth three in a row. Odds are he's probably not going to make that sixth three. And it's just because you tweeted it out, and then everybody says, oh, you had to jinx it. He's five for five. Well, yeah, I mean, he's, he's five for five. Percentages are going to work out. It's the sixth time. I Jinxes, superstition. Do I have a lucky pair of socks? Sure. But me sitting up there in a booth talking about a perfect game, as long as they don't hear it, because... Right, yeah, then, then, you're it, actually, then you're actually affecting something. If they hear it because they can hear you talking from, uh, uh, you know, you're close, you're sitting right behind the plate in a press box or something, that's different because then they feel pressure and, you know... But if you're a major league broadcaster, especially on the radio, if it's on TV and you say you do the fun thing where it's like... Uh, you know, look at the box score. Part of it's fun being a sports fan. Like, I don't right. want to totally take a dump on being a uh, on being a sports fan and the jinxes thing. So if you're on TV and you say, hey, you know, take a look at the box score. But we don't have the box score on Chatterbox. We have the right. the line right. score and stuff, but we uh -huh. don't have the, the box. So, and especially if you're on the radio, what are you supposed to say? Something special is going on? Then if you're driving in the car, you're going, well, is he throwing a perfect game? Is he throwing a no-hitter? Everybody knows what you're talking about. You know what I think it is? What do you got for us? I do think jinxes exist, just to clarify for anyone that didn't know. I think it was because it wasn't necessarily that you had an effect of what actually happened, but it was the fact that everyone in the press box believes in jinxes except you. So it actually jinxed yourself because you don't actually believe in the jinx clause. You didn't jinx <laughs> the game itself. You're just jinxing yourself. I jinxed my jinx. Yeah, you jinxed your jinx. Listen. <laughs> to jump Humans are trying to grasp on to everything they can in this world. You, you, you try to act like you're in control. None of us are in control of anything. We're certainly not in control of what the Cincinnati Bengals are doing on Christmas Eve against the New England Patriots. I can sit there and do naked cartwheels in my living room because we're winning by 28, and it ain't doing anything. It has no bearing. It ain't going to help them come back. It ain't going to help them do anything. You can wear your lucky jersey. You can wear Paul's lucky pair of socks. It doesn't matter. Yeah. The only, the only time it matters is when you're like a player. And like I said, sometimes these pitchers, they get so involved in the games, they don't realize what they're doing. They just think, well, maybe they're pitching well, but they don't look at – it's like sometimes when a, a hitter a, – If, a, you, if you, you can get in people's head is what you're telling me. Yeah, like a, like yeah, a pinch yeah, hitter – That happens. A pinch hitter goes up in the ninth inning, you know, or, or maybe you get to – you're in the bottom of the ninth inning and, you know, you realize it's a close game, but you haven't really looked at the scoreboard. I, I remember this happened one time, I think in a Nats game. Somebody had a walk-off home run. They didn't realize why everybody was celebrating so hard. Then he realized, oh, it was a walk-off home run. It wasn't just a home run. It was a walk-off home run. You know, baseball games, softball, you know, sometimes you just get so bogged down in everything, you don't realize the situation. Now, so when you talk about the players saying something to, you know, I, I pitched in high school. I did not enjoy it when somebody would say, hey, you know, you're throwing a no-hitter because then it's like I start thinking about it. No, yeah. That's that, different. That is That's that is different. not a jinx. That is applying pressure to somebody. Yeah. That is tangible. That is yes. something that is actually yes. tangible. You're doing something. But when you're just watching a game, you're wearing your lucky jersey or whatever, you're, you're doing nothing. Yeah. If it makes you feel better, though, go ahead and do it. You know, listen, not to, not to get on a, a soapbox here as, as we try to once again in this show – it's almost sacrilegious to believe in jinxes because at that point you're, you're saying one of two things. If you're saying that me in the booth saying, ah, she's got a, she's got a perfect game right here. And then it blows and I, I'm the culprit because of why the, the perfect game got blown. You're saying one of two things. You're saying either God himself is coming down and be like, Oh, Reed shouldn't have said that. Shouldn't have said that. I'm going to go punish this girl. Who's, who's pitching a great game now. To, to teach Rita a lesson about jinxes. Or you're saying that you believe in other gods that, that do do that, and they're they're mischievous little bunch. But that's the end of my, my soapbox and my 
yeah. my, my Catholic religious. Yeah. The, if you really wanted to play the devil's advocate, you could say that a pitcher throwing a perfect game in the major leagues, this is a very specific scenario, on a hot day in July, might go down into the clubhouse to rest in between innings, and they have the TV broadcast on there, and maybe they hear the broadcaster say something. Sure. Maybe. All right. But, but once again, really that's that's the tangible thing. Yes. That is it's not you're not saying stuff because you think that the, the, the pitcher's gonna hear you. Xavier no. Musketeer's got a point guard, Reed. Let's get out of the show. All right, let's go. <laughs> All right. This has been Box Lunch presented by Betfred Sportsbook. If you're gonna bet, please do it with the best book here in Cincinnati. Reed Mouse hosting the show. We'll be back Wednesday, Friday. We're gonna get back to our chat power rankings. There's been a shuffle. There's been a shuffle in the uh -oh. power rankings. Uh oh. Better bring your A game. All right, see you guys.